0: Welcome to episode five of the NRL Corona Positives podcast. The NRL has lost one of its leaders, but it is still powering on to a May 28 return date as the NRL coronavirus spread reduces. I'm Tony Salerno, sharing a corona, the beer, not the virus, with Mitch Ferrugia as we look at the bright side of a game in turmoil. How are you, Mitch?
1: Yeah, great, thanks, Tony. Very exciting times if you're an NRL fan with A lot of the news being very positive this week with the NRL in terms of getting the game back on and back played by that May 28th date. A lot of positive news, although there has been obviously unfortunate news surrounding Todd Greenberg.
0: Yeah, that's right. Plenty to get through, but first, cheers. Cheers. We want to hear from you, the fans, as well. So let us know what positives you have found from the NRL coronavirus saga. You can contact us on our socials at NRL Positives on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to send us a big angry email about not enough positives on the NRL coronavirus saga, you can email us on the address nrolcoronapositives at gmail.com. Mitch, this week I was surfing through the Aussie streaming service Stan and I found a classic. I've always wanted to watch this one. Do you remember Top Gun from back in 1986?
1: Yeah, I can't believe you haven't watched it. Oh, it's an absolute
0: classic, Mitch. So basically, it's where a hunking fighter pilot, Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, he joins an elite flying school. So Tom Cruise in this movie is brash, he's arrogant, he's a cocky flyer, but he loses his confidence when his co-pilot dies in one of their crashes during a war simulation. So his teachers and rivals try and encourage you to get him back in the air, and they help each other out to the point where eventually Tom Cruise helps the winning team battle the enemies and win the day. So, Mitch, more than anything else, this was actually a bang soundtrack from back in the 80s. I can remember why so many people were saying Tom Cruise is such a love boat. Just so dreamy, so arrogant, and such a bad boy, Mitch. I reckon our mums
1: gushed over him way back when. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's a really good movie, all in all, and uh, you're right, that soundtrack is pretty spot on.
0: So you know these random movies that I watch, I like to sort of try and draw some parallels to rugby league and the NRL, their current situation. Now, Tom Cruise's character in this movie is very similar to a man who's been all over the NRL headlines this week, former NRL CEO, Todd Greenberg. So Mitch, this is probably the only comparison we're ever gonna make between Tom Cruise and Todd Greenberg. <laughs> so Greenberg was confident and brazen with his spending, but when the coronavirus hit, and stakeholders wanted to see finances. He was exposed and lost a lot of friends. But unlike Top Gun, when he was exposed, people didn't cuddle him. They sort of turned off him and were really disappointed, which in times like these, I find that people just want a person to blame just for any problems in general. So I feel like he was made a bit of a scapegoat, but ultimately, and we're going to speak about the positives in the sec, this is ultimately where... Again, The game can now move on with things, having seen that he now is no longer in charge and there's a bit more certainty around how the game moves forward. So unlike Top Gun, the clubs and the broadcasters doubled down and his job became untenable. What did you find of the news about Todd Greenberg this week? What did you think of it?
1: Yeah, obviously very interesting because it has been up in the air. We knew that he didn't really have uh, much long to go unless his contract was going to be renewed. Um, And there was already talk pre all of this that his job is starting to become out of reach and that they were looking, the NRL potentially, to find someone to replace him. It was more of a who. Um, So maybe after all of this that's happened with the coronavirus and now looking towards the future, I guess maybe there has been that someone that they have found that they haven't obviously announced yet. Um, But, yeah, maybe it was just that's the time and it came to a fork in the road and they needed to offload him.
0: Yeah, exactly right. But this discussion is a great segue into my first positive of the week. Of course, this is the NRL Corona Positives Podcast where we look at the big positives from the week in NRL as it tries to recover from the coronavirus pandemic. So my first positive is the NRL can now move with one voice which reduces confusion and frustration. As you mentioned, Mitch, just a second ago, that Todd Greenberg was on a little bit of shaky ground prior to the coronavirus pandemic. In his contract, it said that he needed to know by February of this year if he was going to be extended or not. So, of course, Peter Valendiz came in at the end of last year, heard about this contract and thought, no, mate, your contract expires in October. We're not going to commit to you from February. And so from there, there was always that strain in their relationship where Valendiz couldn't trust Todd Greenberg and Todd Greenberg sort of thought, okay, Todd Greenberg's a smart guy. If I'm not going to be renewed in February, I could go all the way along the line. And there's a very good chance I won't be renewed. So that's where their relationship almost got off on the wrong foot a little bit. Then the coronavirus came. And for a few weeks, it almost patched them up together because they had to work really closely. But ultimately, Todd Greenberg became sidelined in this coronavirus saga when he used to be front and centre in the games administration, which is the big one. Because Todd Greenberg, we've seen for so many years, the Parramatta uh, salary cap scandal, the NRL ad, we've seen so many times that Todd Greenberg always fronts up, he's the face of the game. But since Peter Valandis has come in, Todd Greenberg has almost been on the side and it's been Valandis front and centre with Todd Greenberg accompanying, which is a real different change to his role, which probably also sent Todd Greenberg the message that you know what, his tenure is probably coming towards the end but it wasn't until the channel nine press conference about the mismanagement of funds we heard of course this is a once in a lifetime event which is this coronavirus pandemic so not just the NRL everybody's finances were exposed when you're spending money like you do day to day you don't think oh no you know what I need to save up 50 million to make sure that if this game goes up in flames that there's going to be a chance that we fix them i know the NRL didn't get any assets or they didn't uh, get any equity in the revenues that they made, which was probably a plight on Greenberg. But from his perspective, this was an unprecedented event, which once the books were open, he was always going to be exposed. He did a few short dealings towards the end that Peter Valandis didn't like, and he had to clean up all the time. So Valandis promised the clubs $1.2 million for the next three months, which would be deposited into their accounts immediately. Now, Todd Greenberg was tasked with putting that money into their accounts, But then the team, the clubs said, hang on, we're $23,000 short. And then Todd Greenberg said, no, that's okay. That's their admin fees. So then the clubs all of a sudden went, hang on, no, that's not right. We're going to go to Peter Valandis." So Valandis came back to the clubs and said, what? I didn't agree for that. You get all your money. Then with the Warriors, they needed a bit more uh, support and just a bit more direction on how they'll come to Sydney when the competition resumes. And Todd Greenberg didn't get enough information to the Warriors CEO, which made Valandis very angry, and he berated him in front of the Warriors CEO on a chat. So I guess there's never a great way to handle this situation, the coronavirus. Todd Greenberg's not immune. I know a lot of companies that are going under. Of course, you saw Virgin Australia, etc. But Todd Greenberg did almost become the scapegoat for all this. Some, we all needed someone to blame. We were frustrated. There was no football. There was no perfect solution cuts everywhere, et cetera. So then it just became a bit untenable. But I mean, the CEO job itself, Mitch, is a poison chalice. So everyone who gets the job, they're the best person for the job at the start. Everyone loves you. But as you continue on through your job, there's a few setbacks and then eventually everyone wants your head, which is eventually what happened earlier in the week. So Peter Volandi's handling of this scandal has won in for them fans, but he himself, Peter Volandi's, We don't know how long it'll be till he gets on the nose of a few NRL fans when a few decisions of the game uh, aren't very popular. So that was my rant. I know we're a positive show, but it just goes to show that now that Todd Greenberg's gone, there's a bit more certainty around the game and also one voice for the game moving forward, which is a very positive thing.
1: Yeah, I think so. And especially if you think of the timing as well uh, with, obviously, That everything that is going on, but also the NRL looking to come back into it with playing matches. I don't think they wanted a lot of off-field drama if they could handle it. Uh, So by cutting ties now, which is what they've done uh, with Todd Greenberg, maybe it just saves a bit of a scrappy mess that could happen in the future and now they can get on with it. And now looking, just before we do go to positive two, Tony, any idea on who you think might replace Todd Greenberg?
0: Oh, yeah, there's, there's a few names that have been tossed up. Of course, um, Blake Solly from South, the South City Rabbitohs CEO, is one of the frontrunners. They keep asking Phil Gould, but I don't believe he'll do it. It's just probably not the right time for him because the next person that steps into the role is going to have such a big cleanup job to do. It's not even funny. So it's going to be a while before they get the right person for the job. Andrew Abdo, who's the NRL chief uh, commercial officer, he's going to step into the role in an interim basis. So this is an opportunity to to prove himself. Uh, So if I was to pick maybe South Sydney Rabbitohs CEO Blake Solly at this stage, but I think they will go to market and try and find someone else maybe outside of the game. Who do you think, Mitch? Who who would be a good candidate for you?
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure at the moment. I mean, I haven't really seen many people pop up other than the few that you mentioned. And I just, I don't think any of them really do suit the role. So I think it might be potentially someone from outside of the game that we haven't heard of that may be the best thing for the NRL a bit of an impartial look at the game and look at the finances being able to sort it out uh, so that may be the way to go
0: well Mitch you told me uh, behind the scenes before we got on here that you're going on seek after this uh, <laughs> video call what you didn't give me the details but yeah you said you're pretty keen to apply for this job that just opened up for or something
1: weird Something with the NRL, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what it is. I don't know, yeah, we'll (laughs) have to wait and see. (laughs) Well, let's go on to our second positive and we go from no footy to plenty of footy. The footy is now back. No draw or clarification on how long the comp will be uh, has been given to the fans, but it has been announced by Wayne Pearce that on the 28th of May, the NRL will return and players are now most likely expected to go back to training On the 4th of May, this means we will potentially have in the first round five straight games of footy to resume the season. A bit of a footy marathon. And this could all kick off with the Rabbitohs and Roosters on Friday, which is meant to be one of the headline games of round three. Obviously, Luttrell up against James Tedesco. And then finishing up with the Eels and Tigers Saluno Ferugia Cup on the Monday.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this, Mitch. One of the great things I think footy fans realised was when there wasn't going to be any footy, and we've had to go six weeks without it, that when it does eventually come back, we are going to get it in spades, which is awesome. So there's going to be five games per week, or we know in the first week there's going to be a feast of footy. And of course, we're going to get some of the traditional clashes. I think the Rabbitohs and Roosters were scheduled to be in round three anyway. So that was going to be... Uh, The case. So this is round three, so obviously they kept that one. But of course, we didn't get to see the Eels and Tigers on Easter Monday, so we're going to get a chance to see them now, which will be a really good effort. But I think for most teams, you almost throw the first two rounds out of the window. You know that form guide that people have? I feel like we've been away for so long, people can almost press the reset button and say, okay, fresh start, if we've lost our first two games or we've lost one of our first two games, then we've got a clean slate and we just make a charge for the finals. So I feel like this is going to be really good, Mitch. Monday night football used to be really good to the Tigers actually, way back then. They used, they used to be the Monday night football specialists. Just not then Monday we,
1: afternoon football.
0: Yeah, that's right. So they used to be the Monday night specialists. Then we realized the Tigers were the Monday night specialists so we canned Monday nights. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how teams approach this now. Of course, for example, the Roosters decided to rest Boyd Cordner for the first two rounds of the season. And now, not knowing this would happen, they're playing catch-up for a lot of the time. So, plenty of footy to come our way, which is really exciting. It just depends on the broadcasters now. Does that mean we're going to play potentially 20 rounds? Or will we play 13 more rounds to make it one uh, game each against every team? We're going to find out those details a little bit more. But Mitch, I can't wait. Monday Night Football is going to be back. I've been waiting until the have 15 for that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I reckon it's obviously such a good, um, I mean, I most people really like the Monday Night Football concept, so it uh, should be interesting to see how it does play out with the NRL and also just how many rounds will get played because, I mean, we have missed, I think it is, as you mentioned, six weeks now um, and then we'll be going on to about 10 weeks. Potentially, they could fit the whole season in.
0: Yeah, it was just funny how this week, I think someone, someone, I can't remember who threw it up, but Someone said, oh, why don't we just play Monday afternoon footy? And then people thought, hang on, no one can actually turn up because there's not going to be the crowds when they play. So, Mitch, that might actually be not a bad idea. If the NRL is struggling for a time slot or struggling for room, for example, instead of maybe a 7pm kickoff, maybe we can make it a 5pm and 7pm kickoff because people are working from home, or the majority of people are, so as soon as they finish work, they can go straight into a footy game. So it just opens up a few extra time slots.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, it's a pretty good idea. Obviously, there won't be fans for the foreseeable future until other things in the state and across the country are lifted. But yeah, that could be a really good idea to potentially look at doing that. And I think this is good. The NRL can have a little bit of a play around with their time slots. I mean, there has been a little bit of criticism about the change of the Friday night games. Obviously, now they don't have the simultaneous kickoffs. They have changed that. So... Potentially, yeah, we could see a little bit of a play around here by the NRL and also the broadcasters.
0: Just passing by one of the quick positives that we found this week as well, not directly related to the NRL, but it's great to see, Mitch, that Junior Rugby League activities will resume in July. So the good thing about that is that although Junior Rugby League isn't specifically NRL-focused, there are a lot of pathway competitions that lead up to the NRL. Some of those have been cancelled, but it's good to see... Just for general uh, state of mind and health for a lot of those kids playing and their parents as well, uh, junior footing is resuming.
1: Oh, it's absolutely great. And, I mean, this applies, as you mentioned, to some of the other competitions. So, like, the Ron Massey Cup, uh, the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, I believe Sydney Shield as well. So, this will be great. I mean, we're getting... Uh, not only the junior footy restarted, but also some of those competitions which do lead into the NRL. And just thinking about it with the Canterbury Cup cancelled, I think we might have a few stacked Ron Massey Cup teams, Tony.
0: Yeah, most certainly. That'll be good to see. Mitch going down to Ringrose Park and calling all those games will be very exciting. Speaking of state-based competitions, the Queensland Premier, we spoke about Origin a lot last week, Mitch, and it's good news on the Origin front this week. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk is opening up talks to play Origin in her state, which is another one of my positives this week. So Palaszczuk said last week there would be no Origin in Queensland because the government doesn't feel that it's ready for people to start removing themselves from this coronavirus bubble. Mitch, that wasn't well received by Queensland, who are a parochial bunch and love their rugby league. So this week she said maybe she's ready to talk now to New South Wales, rugby league teams, rugby league officials about potentially playing Origin in Queensland. So it'll be interesting to see if we do get Origin in the Sunshine State this year. Because, Mitch, I'm not a fan of if Origin's just played in New South Wales this year. I think that's a really big disadvantage for Queensland. Look, the crowd factor is something we talk about a lot in Origin. That's most likely not going to be there. But still, I just feel like it's in bad taste if all three origins are played in New South Wales. So this is a real big positive for the game if Queensland's ready to have a chat about accepting at least one game into their state this year.
1: Yeah, I really hope actually that the state of origin is potentially put back and pushed back from when it normally is to allow a crowd because I think it's one of the most electrifying crowds you see at the origin time and when the origin game's are on. Um, So I'd really love to see the crowd and I think you're right as well. Hopefully we can see both sides to have a fair sort of crack at it. At least one game in Queensland and at least one game in New South Wales.
0: As a side note, I think uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Queensland Premier, remembered it's an election year this year. So I don't know how no origin would have done any favours to her uh, coming into that vote. So now that our big positives are done, Mitch, it's time to talk about when the NRL was great. This week, we're looking at the greatest origin moments. Now, we've broken this one up into New South Wales and Queensland. Mitch, we'll go one for one, and we'll start with your one. You're doing New South Wales. So what was one of your great origin moments?
1: Yeah, so one of my greatest origin moments uh, would have to be the grenade game, Match 3, 2000, New South Wales, uh, win 56-16 to 16 and win the series 3-0. So an absolute whitewash. And that match just shows um, how much of a whitewash the series was and New South Wales uh, were just on top. And of course, you cannot forget that Grenade celebration.
0: It's actually, I think the Queensland fans plan on repeats. And of course, it was the birth of Queensland's dynasty. They say that moment is when that really lit a fire in the Queensland fans. Of course, Ryan Girdler had a blinder that day, as did a few other players. 56-16, New South Wales just running away with it. 3-0 sweep. And of course, Mitchell, we're here every year. You know, 3-0, 56-16, New South Wales is going to power on and win all the Origin Series from here on. It wasn't meant to be, but a great night in New South Wales Origin history. They're really, their pinnacle. But Queensland were very quick to remember that they have a state of their own who's very passionate about rugby league. And they returned the favour, of course, six years later. Which leads me into my greatest origin moment, if you're a Queensland fan. Of course, there's plenty that we could have chose. The Billy Slater solo try was obviously one of those that we just didn't quite have time to put in. But I'm going to go with the Darren Lockyer match-winning try to start the Queensland dynasty back in Game 3, 2006. New South Wales won in 04 and 05. Andrew Johns came back in 05 and rescued New South Wales. People were starting to think, oh, New South Wales, way too good. They've got Fitler, They've got Johns. They've got Barrett. They've got all these players. And Queensland just had Darren Lockyer. They had Mal Meninga as their first year as the Queensland coach. So he just told the fellas, guys, it's never been who's got the most talented team on paper. We know New South Wales does. But Queensland, through their grit and determination, were able to force an error a couple of minutes from time, where a stray Matt King pass, 15 metres out from his own try line, had the ball bounce past the intended recipient. Darren Lockyer run in, dives, takes the ball, and dives over the post for a late minute Queensland win. And that started, that was the first series in a string of eight straight series, Mitch. So once again, it was a moment which created some of the greatest history in Origin.
1: Yeah, certainly did and obviously kicked off that dynasty which lasted eight years and it was incredible uh, from the Queenslanders to do that. And I think you alluded to my other um, moment there, Tony, but yeah, Joey Johns' return in Game 2 of 2005, delivering an absolute masterclass. He had made his NRL reappearance just 10 days earlier following the recovery from his injury and came back and had the man of the match performance. He kicked three goals. Uh, in a 32-22 to 22 win uh, for New South Wales, which equaled, tied the series uh, in 2005. And they went on to win game three as well. So if it wasn't for that performance, potentially Queensland go 2-0 up and win the series.
0: Yeah, it was a sliding doors moment. Joey Johns, of course, answered the call. I think he'd given up uh, Origin at that point and they asked him to come back because a few of their halfbacks had gone down. So... Uh, Great to see Joey back, and he really did deliver New South Wales, one of their greatest exports, Mr Andrew Johns. My next one, my final one for Queensland, is another immortal. It's the immortal Arthur Beetson. Of course, in folklore, one of the greatest of all time. This origin concept became official way back in 1980. Arthur Beetson was Queensland. They loved him. He wasn't playing in the Queensland competition anymore. He'd at that time, Mitch, he was in the twilight of his career, played second grade for Parramatta. But the Queensland officials knew Arthur Beaton was Queensland. He was patriotic and everyone would get behind him. He was the captain of Queensland for the first ever Origin game, which Queensland won when it was a one-game series for the first three years. And that just proved his stature in the game, that a whole state was able to get behind him and start origin the right way for the Queensland-based state. So, Arthur Beetson, we know his value in the game, and this was just another iconic moment that led to his status as an immortal.
1: Yeah, definitely. We know that he is an immortal and an immensely important player, not only for Queensland, but in the game of rugby league and in the history. So, it's absolutely another great moment. Tony, that just about wraps us up for week five of NRL Corona Positives, episode five. Make sure you follow all of our social channels, which are NRL Corona Positives on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast down below, and don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Thank you very much, Tony Salono. I'm Mitchell Ferrugia. Stay safe and keep looking for the positives. We'll see you next week.